Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. As I'm here half ready this morning, <laughs> I got lost in time. All of a sudden, I looked at my clock and it said 7.59, and I went, oh, no, got to get there. <laughs> Luckily, I was ready to do it. I just was, I don't know, in lost in another world, perhaps. It's good to see everybody out there this morning. Thank you for joining me. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea sit back and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above us today. It is September 23rd. Amazing how fast the year has gone by, right? Uh, let's say good morning to JLo and Christine Buckingham. Hello, Tom and awesome Tanya. She says, I'm here. Where are you? Well, I was here, just not yet quite all together ready. And my phone rang just at the last second and I needed to make sure I turned that off too many things all at one time, right? And Christine says, good morning to everybody. Hello, Barbara Doughton. Happy Friday. Good morning, Kajella. Good to see you as well out there this morning. So today, you know, the weekend itself is going to be a, a decent weekend. We're looking at a couple of transits that uh, are decent, right? Not terribly terrible, but we're also looking at a new moon, the first new moon of the autumn season. And that usually brings up, you know, some really good energy. It is sort of this, the trend setter, if you will, for what goes from here and the aspects, of course, that play in the uh, full, the new moon of the, the season is also setting the theme and the tone for what will uh, ensue from here. Now, it's not a one-to-one -one relationship. It's more like a correlation, right? A correlation of things to be mindful of. It's kind of like in your solar return when I'm telling you about where the sun is or where the moon is and how that might affect the themes for the coming year. It is thematic, not necessarily event driven. So the new moon, first new moon of a season is often thematic of what we can expect as that season unwinds. And it's actually a pretty interesting um, new moon. And as I looked at it, I went, wow, there's not, there aren't a lot of aspects to the moon itself or to the sun, right? The sun and moon are in a conjunction at the new moon. So it'll be interesting to see there's only an opposition to Jupiter, but there are some other things going on. And I'm going to break all of that down for you here this morning. And as well, we're going to take a look at the actual transits that are happening for the weekend outside of the ones that are happening with the new moon. For example, today, Mercury is retrograde and moving backward into Virgo. So we are going to spend the last half of the Mercury retrograde cycle with Mercury in Virgo, getting our minds together, right? And then as well today, the moon is in Virgo. So we have an interesting, you know, kind of thing going on with Virgo energy as well. Venus is in Virgo. So even though we the sun has moved on into Libra, which, uh, which just dawned on me this morning, right? We were talking about the, the, the fall equinox <laughs> it, and, and how it was at zero degrees Libra, uh, but it didn't occur to me, uh, duh, that means the, that, you know, we're in Libra season. Go figure, right? But now we have quite a bit of energy still lagging behind Libra in Virgo. And Virgo is a sign of much, much more about taking practical action as an earth sign, right? It wants action and it wants steps and it wants practicality and an organization and in some way a perfecting energy, right? Let's make it better. Let's make it faster. Let's make it 
you fill in the uh, adjective at the end. So we have that Virgo energy being, um, you know, triggered a little bit more today because of Mercury's retrograde backward into it, but also the moon's entry into it. So they're coming at each other. If it, you know, like from 29 degrees Virgo where Mercury is, and now let's see, the moon was at six. No, it was at, uh, oh, the wrong chart. It was at three degrees of Virgo at 647 this morning. So an hour ago. So right now it's probably at about five degrees of Virgo. And then as well, we need to take a look at the depth of Virgo. What are we talking about in Virgo energy? Now we all know about Virgo as far as it's light, like it's good at, it's good at the organizing principles and at perfecting and purifying things. It's also really good when you need organization, right? It's the one that's going to be able to analyze and critically think for you, or it's the part of your chart where you can apply those kinds of skills uh, very easily in your life. But also Virgo itself is a sign that can uh, wobble between discernment and gullibility. Did you guys know that? That's kind of a, a new way to look at this, that in Virgo, we have to exercise our discernment, which means that we have to be very conscious of what is going on around us, what we personally are participating in, what information is feeding in through our minds, because Virgo is a sign that rules the mind, Mercury, right? Mercury, the mind, communication. In, in the case of Virgo, the mind takes it and pulls things apart, puts them back together, um, analyzes or all of the, uh, the the ways that we can look at something from all the different uh, sides of things, and then it cuts to the chase, right? Gets down to the nitty gritty of something. But discernment is difficult for Virgo, likely because Piscean energy at the other side, right? The opposite is sometimes, well, it is ruled by Neptune and Neptune can get into the fogginess, right, can get into confusion, can get into disillusionment, and can also struggle with discernment and can become very gullible. So some of the more darker energies, if you will, or the more difficult or challenging energies in Virgo can be about our discernment and discernment, deciding what is true and correct for us, and then following our truth in that so it can be a very interesting time to have all of these planets kind of piling up here in, in Virgo. Now, as we look at what the moon in Virgo is, I have the moon in Virgo. So I'm looking at a new moon for me uh, in just eh, probably a few hours. Um, so I understand the idea of the moon in Virgo where it's about memory. And, you know, what, if there's going to be something that I'm going to beat myself up over, it's going to be that I forgot something, right? I forgot something. I forgot to say something or my mind had a, a lapse, right? Or like this morning when I was kind of starting to be late to come in here, you know, that lapse really gets to me. So the here discernment would say, okay, yeah, but perfection is whatever it is in the moment, right? I had a struggle yesterday trying to get an email out and it was really stupid. Every time I went into MailChimp, which is my mail um, handler, uh, it kept, and I, I'd do something, I'd log in, I was there, I would work on something. Then suddenly I get a message that popped up that said, we're sorry, we can't access this page right now. And I was freaking out because I didn't know if I'd sent the email. I don't know if it kept it. I didn't know anything. And finally, I just, and I did this like, you know, 
hit head up against wall 10 times before I finally went, you know what, maybe, maybe it's just not the right time to do this. So I just set it aside and went on and did other things and then came back to it and voila, it worked, right? So sometimes discernment is about knowing when to quit, <laughs> knowing that, you know, maybe the universe is giving you a sign or a signal that now is not the right time that there's something else going on. I mean, who knows? They might've been working on something in the background. I don't know, but I did know it was getting irritating until I realized, okay, wait, let's just trust this process and hold it up a bit, be discerning, right? I can choose how it is I'm gonna react. I can choose what I'm gonna do. And I chose to let it go for the time being. So Virgo energy sometimes presents us with the choices of challenges to our minds but also to our bodies. Virgo is a sign that rules the sixth house of the astrology chart. That's the house of embodiment, right? Being in the body. And that's going to be a big player in our new moon, believe it or not. So we're going to talk more about that in, in, in a minute too. I just want to say good morning to Monique Alexander. Uh, good morning, Debbie Tibbetts to me. It's so good to see you out there. And Pam Zaruba, Amanda Jeffs. Good morning, Terry. Good morning to you, Terry Strauss. I'm getting a lot of clients having lots of relationship problems. Is that because of retrograde, not communicating, just volcanoes? I think that's a combination, Terry, of uh, Mercury in retrograde and Mars in Gemini. Mars in Gemini is, you know, taking the aggressor's stance in the sign of communication. And, you know, Gemini energy can also be, you know, think ideas that we get into our minds that we can't let go of. And then that can maybe trigger volatility in the emotional body. So I think it's a combination of things that are happening for people. And don't forget, we also have Saturn and Uranus squaring up again, getting closer and closer to as close to exact as a bullet burn, right? They're going to be within less than a third of a degree of one another uh, as we move on into October. And that is also shaking up things as we're moving step-by-step step forward, but also sometimes being drugged backwards. That, that brings up frustration and can bring up anger as we're trying to take new steps. <laughs> we're trying to be our true selves. And sometimes the universe is like, no, you got to slow that down. And then <clears throat> Mars is going to go retrograde, October 28th. And once Mars turns into retrograde, those same frustrations, if they're not dealt with now, go inward and can become sources of inner frustration, inner anxiety and problems later on in relationships. So any place where it hasn't been solved is going to be back up in our faces uh, not too long from now. So good thing that they're coming out, that they're reaching out for you to help them. Good morning, Gayla. Uh, magic is in the air. It is. I do feel the magic in the air. There's something about the moon in Virgo, too, that reminds me that the whole idea of Virgo, now this is going back, 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 you know, in time, the mythology even of the Virgin, right? She represents the Virgin, is that this is an energy of the feminine that is actually able to be out in the world doing what she loves, doing what she knows is best for her without having to be paired with a man or with a partner. So it is, you know, if you look at the mythology 
of the, um, you know, the virgins, even if you're looking at uh, the oracles of Delphi, they, they weren't married, right? They weren't married, but they were afforded a lot of respect, respect for what they could do, which was to help um, guide humanity. And they didn't, they, they were empowered, not because they were attached to another person, but because of the work that they did, they were earned that respect. So in some, some ways, the moon and Virgo or Virgo energy also represents where the divine feminine within all of us, even if you're a man out there, you're still empowered to do the work on yourself for yourself and to respect, gain respect for how you stand out in the world, not necessarily for how you come together with another person. So it's important. It's an important message kind of being, you know, brought into us from behind the scenes from, you know, in the subconscious that we all have special gifts and special genius, if we will, and that we are able to actually stand on our own. Now, that doesn't preclude our being in relationships, but I think what it says about it is don't look to your relationships to fulfill you, that the fulfillment comes from within. It comes from how you are called to be in the world, how you behave in the world, and how you stand up for yourself, how you live in integrity, being true to yourself. So we have a lot of other, you know, sort of concepts that come in with Virgo energy. And the reason we're focusing on Virgo, for those of you who are just joining us, is because this morning, the moon is in Virgo. Today, Mercury is retrograded back into Virgo at from 29 degrees, right? So moving from zero Libra into Virgo. And then we also have Venus in Virgo. And what I think I forgot to say is that Venus is involved in transits over the weekend. So we want to pay attention to Venus in Virgo. And by the way, Venus does not necessarily love Virgo energy. She puts on more of her, you know, perfection hats when she's in Virgo. Her natural places are Taurus and Libra. So Virgo can be a bit of a struggle for her. It's very mind oriented and she's very much more being in the body and sensually oriented, right? So the embodiment energy, which is not that it's absent in Virgo, but it is applied in different ways, right? So it's a harder uh, task for Venus to move through Virgo, yet she does have quite good skills at analyzing relationships, right? That's her, that's her thing, analyzing how to be better in the body. And that becomes a big theme with the new moon. So it is an interesting place for her to be. So this is kind of why we were uh, looking at the energy of Virgo. Uh, Good morning, Tina Wildenauer. It's good to see you, Corey. Hello. Tina says, thank you. I'm totally feeling that right now. Since Monday, it's been like a slap in the face. Um, Tom says, I call Virgo in my chart, my picture straightener. I was advised years ago to give your Virgo a job that it's satisfied and I can get on with my day. That's a good way to look at that as well, because Virgo does like to have something to do, something to analyze, something to think about. Um, But it also has to be something where their perfectionistic streak can be satisfied, but not overworked. Right. We don't want you to be, you know, tearing out the wall because the wall is is crooked, Tom, and not that your picture is is not is not straight. 
is crooked. We we don't need to go that far, right? We don't need to overanalyze that, you know, the slope of the building is off. So yeah, no, don't take it too far, but definitely understand that there is some level of perfection that we're always reaching for. The key is to understand that perfection is whatever it is in the moment. In this moment, it can't be anything but what it is. Now, in the next moment, it could be different. But in this moment, everything is perfect just as it is, right, for whatever it is that we need to do. So the moon in Virgo brings us some of that picture straightening energy, that cupboard cleaning out energy. Uh, I noticed the other day, God help me, I was putting back my blender, which sits on a top shelf above my refrigerator, behind kind of an above. And I went, oh my God, what is wrong with the top of this refrigerator? It was filthy. And I had to take everything off and clean it. No food goes on the top of the refrigerator, but I couldn't stand it once I saw it. And I think sometimes that's another cue for Virgo energy. When to take action is when you notice that it's off or when you notice that there's a problem. Don't go looking for the problem. I wasn't looking for the problem. I was just putting my blender back. But what I did see was a problem. And then I fixed it, right? So don't go looking for problems. Don't go looking for things that are not perfected. Don't go looking for all the pictures that are crooked. Fix it as you see it, right? Work with it as you see it and then release it, right? I could have kept going and going and cleaned the whole refrigerator, but I decided that's a task for another day. And that was it, right? So <laughs> the picture's not crooked, it's the house. Yep, indeed. That can be the... <laughs> That could be taking Virgo energy to the nth degree. <laughs> you know, like we call it sometimes throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You know, oh, it's not my pictures. It's this damn house, right? I have to get underneath and jack it up and make sure it's even. That would be nth degree. All right. So uh, so Mercury retrograde. Let's deal with that one back into Virgo. So remember, <laughs> Virgo is a sign of the mind. So you may be going backwards into things that you had been thinking about earlier when Mercury was in Virgo. So late August and into early September, uh, actually uh, end of August. And then mo he moved on into Libra, an air sign. So now we can take some of that uh, ideas and possibilities and looking at things from all sides. But now as he's moved backward, we are backward into an action sign, a practical expression of an idea. So if you've had a bunch of ideas, a lot, a lot of inspiration, a lot of things that could be done, a lot of possibilities, then now it's time to actually begin the, the work of the practical application. What steps do I need to take? What choices do I need to make? What choices do I want to make? What's in keeping with my truth as I start to consider how I want to build this or promote this or put it out there into the world, start this relationship, etc. Now, Mercury is still retrograde until uh, October 9th, I believe it is. And I don't have October out yet, but uh, I think it's somewhere right 6th to the 9th. Then we can start to really take action. But the, the problem is that we have Libra, a sign of the mind, right, air. And then we have Virgo, ruled by Mercury, a planet of the mind, 
but Virgo as an element is earth needing to take action. So we're kind of caught between the idea and the manifesting of the idea and maybe lost in what do, what steps do I need to take? You know, what's the next best thing for me to do? When do I take the steps, right? When do I do it? When do I pull the trigger on taking the next step because of the retrograde? And it isn't even just Mercury in retrograde. Remember, we have seven retrogrades at the moment. So we're caught, we're torn between these two things, taking action and continuing to imagine it, reinvent it, um, you know, uh, fix it up a little bit, you know, kind of play with it. <laughs> um, and then we can take action. So we might even be feeling frustration because of that, right? That alone. Um, I know taking action steps right now is really gummy, right? It feels really gummy. Uh, you might know exactly what it is you want to do, and you might know exactly who it is you want to do that with, but getting from point A to point B is like a minefield. And that's the thing that we're just going to have to work through step by step, the practical steps to get from A to B. All right. So hopefully that is making sense to everybody. Uh, good morning, Natasha. It's good to have you out there with us this morning as well. Now, when we look at Saturday's energy, we have Venus in an opposition to Neptune. There's some more disclarity or some more confusion, perhaps, about our relationships, who we are in our relationships. Are our relationships actually supportive of us? Now, when we look at Venus and Neptune as planets, just planets, Venus is the planet of love, the goddess of love, right? Um, she in mythology can play the part of Aphrodite and also Venus. And so it's more of the erotic love or the physical manifestation of love. So it is sexual as well as um, uh, just affectionate and romantic, that type of thing, right? But Neptune also represents love. But Neptune elevates love to the unconditional level. So we're really talking about maybe more of spiritual love, right? The love of spirit. Keep that in mind because that's another theme that's going to pop up. So we have, you know, the two forms of love, the one that is the organizing principle behind the whole of the universe, and then the expression of love through our physicality here on the planet. So when they're in opposition to one another, we're being asked to raise our love quotient, right? How are we going to be able to do that? So rather than, you know, in, in uh, the course of miracles, conditional love is when we are engaged in trying to change people or circumstances to, to suit us rather than unconditional love, which is where we just accept everyone at face value and love them, right? It doesn't mean that we stay with people that are not good for us. It just means that we offer love, that we're not saying, I, I'm going to love you if, or I will love you when it is full on embodied, I love you, even though we might not be able to stay together or work together or that kind of thing, right? So I hope everybody understands that. And when we have an opposition, we have both of those energies pulling us in opposite directions. We have Neptune and Pisces bringing us into higher love, right? And then we have Venus in Virgo, not very comfortable 
not necessarily uncomfortable, but not very comfortable. She's going to have to make some shifts. She's going to have to learn to cooperate, right? She has to be a little different in the way that she works in the world when she is in Virgo. And one of the main issues across that axis is getting into the victim savior mode. So we don't want to, we, first of all, your friends and family, your clients, they don't need saving, right? You don't need saving. I tried to save somebody this week and it blew up in my face. That was a big lesson for me. You, you know, I was going into doing something for someone because I really, 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 really wanted to help them. I really, really, really wanted the next steps for that person. And yet it didn't happen. And I, yeah, right. Trying to save others is not the path to go. So we'll be faced with that. And on the other hand, we can't be looking to others to save us, right? We are not victims. And the victim savior whole energy is across the Virgo Pisces axis. And we've had many lessons in this, by the way, (laughs) over the the whole time that Neptune has been in the sign of uh, Pisces. And anytime planets are crossing through Virgo, it's going to bring that up into our faces even more. And here we are. This is through the 26th, the the last of the days before we get to the fact that the sun will be sitting on the spleen for the next eight weeks, triggering our fears, places where we feel like we are victims or victimized, feeling where we might need saving or where we see that others might be needing our brand of saving, right? So it's an interesting dilemma that we find ourselves in. Anytime we have an opposition, we have to find the balance point. So the balance point would be about offering love and being loving, but without trying to make that person come into our circumstances, into our way of being or our way of thinking in order to deserve that love. Oof right? Big, big, big time, big, big, big energies. So that's on Saturday. And likely we're already feeling this, right? Because, you know, Neptune is slow, doesn't move very quickly. Uh, Today we have Venus at 22 degrees, 50 minutes of Virgo, and Neptune is at 23 degrees, 51 minutes of Pisces. So they're within a degree of one another. So it's already, it's called applying pressure. It's already applying Venus, applying pressure. So some of us, especially if you've got Virgo and Pisces prominent in your own personal chart, and you all have them somewhere, but some of you are going to have planets maybe in Pisces or planets in Virgo, and you might feel this more um, acutely in your life, are dealing with these already, right? And then there's Saturday, and then there's Sunday, and then even into Monday, because that opposition of Venus and Neptune is still holding play somewhat in the new moon on Sunday. So that'll be an interesting thing to see how that theme might play out as we go in further into this fall season or this equinox season. Then on Sunday itself, of course, we have the new moon, which I'm going to break down for you next. Uh, But we also have Venus in a trine to Pluto. Now, Venus in a trine to Pluto, you know, Pluto gets a bad rap. First of all, he's been demoted, right? And that's BS. If you ask me, he should never have been demoted. That's just something stupid. Um, But as a, a source of our power as human beings, as a source of empowerment, how, how can you, 
how can you, you know, demote him? I mean, I don't know. The point is, if we are demoting Pluto, if we're not paying attention to Pluto as much because he's demoted, he's a dwarf planet, then we are not even looking to our own empowerment. And that can't be, right? That can't be. So Venus trining Pluto reminds us that our own power comes from in how we love ourselves and then in how we extend that love outward to others in our lives, how we use the energy of love, unconditional and, you know, the loving one another physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, supporting one another even on the planet. So it's a very powerful transit. Yet I think it kind of plays in the background. The trines are a smooth flow of energy. So likely it plays out, you know, like you are very supportive of someone in your life, right? Or that you are maybe going out of your way to help a friend or, you know, to help empower that friend or that that loved one or that colleague, you know, to, to empower themselves, right? So it's a positive. I think these are both positive. Both aspects are positive. But it can also, um, in some way, show us where we might be a little out of alignment with love energy in general. All right. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, Terry says, oh, man, I'm always trying to save. But now I say, not my monkeys. This is their path. <sighs> yeah, the US of A is about to see his wrath on return and feel why he shouldn't be demoted. He is slowly coming into, right? Um, what JLo is talking about is the USA Pluto return that was exact in February of this year and is exact again in October. And then, of course, we also have another pass early in 2023. Um, it's an interesting time we live in. That's all I can say, folks. It's an interesting time we live in. Uh, Tina says, so much going on. I need to come back and listen later. Thank you for all the goodness. You're most welcome, Tina. And of course, the videos are on YouTube. They are also on my Facebook page, Living Astrology. And I also load these up as podcasts later from Blog Talk Radio to Spotify to Google Play to iTunes, which is not called iTunes, iPods. I, I don't know what I, the iTunes, iHeartRadio. I don't know, whatever it is all those places, right? So you can download the video as an audio and take it with you anywhere. So you have that, which reminds me, and I'm surprised someone hasn't told me yet. Um, if you are watching this broadcast on YouTube this morning, please hit the thumbs up button and subscribe if you've not yet subscribed. And then also uh, there's a little bell next to the subscription, which will allow you to find out if you click on that, when I am live on air or when I bring out a new video. And if you're watching me on Facebook this morning, hit the like button and also share with your networks of friends and uh, colleagues, et cetera, family. Okay, now let's take a look. Is there anything else I needed to share? Let's talk before I go into the new moon, because it's going to play out in the new moon. Let's take a look at the human design of the new moon but the human design that we're in right now, right? And I think I told you guys last year, or last year, oh God, last week, maybe last year, <laughs> um, when we come to the seasonal changes, 
the gates come to our identity center, which is the uh, yellow center, or it might be a white diamond uh, in the center of your human design chart. So this might be a good time to get your human design chart out and take a look at it. Uh, that center is called the, the uh, identity center. We sometimes call it the G center, but it is the center for love and direction. So every season we have a new iteration. There are four gates of love on the identity center. Now you could say, you, we could make the case that all of the gates on that center are involved in love in some way, but there are four specific gates that are involved in the love of, uh, energy here. There's the gate of the love of self, right? Loving oneself. There's the gate of the love of humanity, which embodies compassion. Then there is the love of the physical body, which is all about being embodied, right? Being in the physical, taking care of the physical. And then there is the gate 25, which is the gate of the love of spirit. And by the way, I didn't number the gates. Self-love is gate 10, the love of humanity, gate 15, the love of the body, 46, and the love of spirit is gate 25. So we have different um, iterations of those gates as we go into each of the seasons. So the equinox uh, has an iteration of the 46 and the 25, while the solstices take in the 10 and the 15. So at the solstices, we're dealing with um, combinations of self-love and love of humanity. And at the equinoxes, we're, we're embodying and loving of spirit, right? So we have diff the opposite iterations of those gates. So as we look at it right now, with our sitting here at, you know, at the equinox portal way or the equinox gate, um, we have the sun at the gate 46. So look at your, your human design chart, see how that gate is, uh, shows up. Is it white? Uh, is there nothing hanging on that? Is it red or is it black or is it part of the entire 46, uh, 29 uh, channel? Because it's important to know how you're designed in this, because this becomes the energy of the love of the body being in the physical. Now, that means that that gate triggers for all of us some form of energy around body image, right? Body image. You know, <laughs> I have my daughter's wedding coming up October 2nd, and I just got my outfit about a week ago, tried it on, and at first blush, I thought, oh my God, this doesn't fit. It's because it zips up the back. And you know how women, you know, men, you probably don't have a clue, but you know how we, when you go to zip it up in the back, sometimes it feels tight because you can't really zip it up yourself. You need someone else to zip it up. So I was like all in an uproar because I thought it wasn't going to fit. So I'm telling my husband that I, I'm going to have to return it. And that just sucks because now I don't know what I'm going to get. There's another size for this particular one that everything was out of stock, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, well, why don't you try it on and let me zip it up? And I went, Oh, so, you know, I, all day I'm beating myself up. You're too fat. You, you know, you can't lose weight in time for the wedding and on and on and on that little simple thing he said is, well, why don't you let me help you zip it up? And it fit. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it. It fits. <laughs> so, I mean, I could have almost created an entire watershed moment of chaos in my life because my body image didn't fit the clothing or the clothing didn't fit the body image, right? So that was something that made me go, oh yes. Now, 
there's also fulfillment on the physical plane involved in this particular gate. So fulfillment on the physical planes means you have to be in your gosh darn body, right? We're always so, a lot of spiritual people are always so much in this mental, emotional, uh, spiritual void out here, right above us, or out here, outside of us, that we forget to be in the body. The fulfillment of all of your spirituality takes place in the body. It doesn't take place out here, right? Even if you're psychic, like you are, Miss Terry, or all of you who are out there doing healing work or, you know, divination work, card reading work, astrology, human design, any kind of work like that. Yes, you are working within the spiritual realm, but none of that means squat if you don't bring it into the physical so this gate reminds us to be in the body and as well to use your body's wisdom. Your body was the first um, tool at your disposal to understand your environment, to understand what was going on around you, right? The five senses, even the sixth sense is a part of you being in the physical, okay? So the body as the vehicle for the soul so that is body image, being in your body, being embodied. So the lesson in the sun at the gate 46 for the equinox, but also on into the new moon, because the new moon will also be at this gate, is that learning to love and be fully in your body, delighting. That's another word that's going to come up. Delight in the senses and the sensations of being in physical form. Right. I, I often imagine that there are squadrons of people, of souls waiting to come into planet Earth because of the physical being, because we it's dense here. Right. We, we actually can touch things, feel things, and it takes time to do things. And that experience is kind of unique because it's not something I suppose on the spirit spirit realm that is the same right? So be in your body, love being in your body, delight in being in your body at this new moon, right? This whole week is all about how do I physically embody love? How do I physically embody soul? How do I take steps, actions in the outer world? Because that's my physical realm that are going to forward my soul's work on the planet. Now in the gene keys, this becomes holographic. So remember the gene keys are kind of just uh, the gene keys based on human design, right? Kind of in its, you know, one sort of way, but it's more holographic. So we can look at this gene key gate 46 and we can look at the shadow of it. We can look at the gift level of it and we can look at the city or the highest expression of it when it's working in its highest and best in the lowest expression. It's seriousness, right? Life is so serious. Instead of being in the gift level of delight, delight, right? Being delightful to use, to, to, to sense, right? Right now I'm delighting in pumpkin and cinnamon and vanilla and all those flavors that remind me of fall, right? The smell of the trees and the smell of the fresh air, even this morning here, the smell of rain, right? Coffee, it, whatever it is, the, being in the delight of life on the physical realm and in the highest expression this becomes ecstasy right ecstatic 
connection happens in the body when we're embodied. So for all of you out there trying to ascend and do all this kind of stuff about, you know, spirituality, yes, of course, we want to do all that. But we're using our physical, our physical body is the embodiment that takes us there. It's not something you're doing primarily out here. You're doing it in your body, the expression of it in your body, right? Okay. Now, I also want to look at this in, in the gene keys a little bit deeper because there's a connection here to your own physical development from birth to age seven. In the gene keys, in one of the uh, sequences that we learn about or that we dive into as a contemplation for ourselves called the Venus sequence, there is a part, uh, there's a develop, there are three development cycles, actually there are four, but three main ones that happen from birth to age seven, that's our physical development, and from eight to uh, 15, 14 is our uh, emotional development, and then from 15 to 21 is our mental development. So we have the, the cycles of seven years, you know, that are where we're in development. So this gene key or the sun at gate 46 brings us back to those first seven years that we lived our lives. Now, most of you probably won't remember a whole lot about those seven years. You might remember maybe age four to seven, uh, I happen to remember from age three to eight, you know, all of from age three on, I don't have any memories earlier than that, that are in my conscious mind. And if there was chaos in your physical world, if there were upsets going on in your physical world, that was imprinted upon you in your first seven years. And it was imprinted in the physical body. Now, the physical body is a collection of souls and souls have memory. So your body is holding on to those memories, even if you don't even have the conscious memory of what was going on. So looking back, you know, as a contemplation to your first seven years, maybe you can tap into where maybe you got short circuited. How did you get maybe away from delight? Maybe where did you get away from really loving being in the physical world? Right. If you were in a, an, ab an abusive family and you were being beaten all the time, that has imprinted your physical body. So this particular time period gives us an opportunity to go back in to that time period and to imprint over that. Right. We are choosing you are a conscious being. You have choice. So do you choose to be even uh, unconsciously or consciously caught up in that old abuse uh, or the whatever it was that was, you know, taking you out of being happy in the physical? Uh, or are you going to choose now to embody happiness, embody love, embody delight, right? Embody ecstasy. It's all our choices, right? So that's important for us to understand. Now, the earth on the other hand, is in the opposite gate, the gate 25, which is called the gate of the love of spirit or just the gate of spirit. And this is, again, on the identity center, which is a center for love and direction. And here it is source, our higher self, that gives the body direction, right? Your spirit as the source of direction in your life. Hmm. This is also healing energy. This is divine order. This is where we must trust and surrender 
to our higher self, to our higher knowing. That is the key to our body being in the right path. You know, there's also something else about gate 46 that I didn't mention, and that's luck, right? The 46, when it is following the direction of the soul, has a way of being in the right place, right time, with the right people for the right opportunity, like naturally, like not even trying, just gets there. So if you want to be in the path of luck, then you want to be the embodiment of your spirit and walk your path of love and direction, trusting that you're on the right path, surrendering rather than fighting like me yesterday, trying to fight to keep going and doing this email because I needed to get that out. And every time being told, no, this page is offline, finally surrendering and just going, okay, there's got to be something else I'm not seeing here, right? And then trusting the divine order in your life is a part of the expression of the 25, connecting to source for your well-being and also for direction and love. In the gene keys, the levels of, of the, the shadow, the hologram of, of this gene key, in the lowest expression, it's constriction. In the gift, it's acceptance. And in the highest expression, it's universal love. Constriction bringing, you know, tightening of the chest or of the heart, right? Constriction of your breathing. The gate 25 is the gate of spirit. So it's also very spirit oriented, which means it's also connected to the breath, the breath of life, right? The breath, meaning if we stop breathing, if we constrict our breathing or shallow breathe, we lose connection to our higher self. We lose connection to our divine guidance, right? So breathing, taking that deep breath, even exercising, right? In, in, in deep breathing, yoga, meditation, um, Qigong, uh, Tai Chi, lots of different, uh, even, you know, running uh, is an exercise in monitoring the breath, right? In and out, in and out. So one path to acceptance and universal love is by breath. <laughs> Seems so easy, right? <laughs> breathe. We all breathe every day, right? You don't need help to learn how to breathe. But what we do is have to become more conscious about the impact breath has on us. So breath and acceptance is a part of making sure that we're taking in life, right? And breathing it out, breathing it in, breathing it out. So the breath is important in this time period the breath is important in this particular pair of gene keys for our uh, new moon, but also for the entire week. So now one of the things that are interesting in the shadows of these gates, the 46, when it's out of alignment, will start to impact the physical body in like twisted ways, like literal twisting so people, for example, who are having back issues um, or people who are having, uh, what is that called? Scoliosis or um, degenerated discs or things like that. can It's possibly correlated, not one-to-one -one cause, but correlated to either being too serious and not finding the delight in life or continually, continually ignoring the flow of the soul in your body. So weird things happen, 
right? You get out of alignment. I got out of alignment earlier this summer. You guys wouldn't have even known it because you wouldn't have seen it, but I couldn't hardly walk this summer, right? My whole left hip, leg, and knee were somehow just twisted. It took Londa some big actions on her part, working with my leg to get me back to being able to walk. And I mean, I could walk, but to walk comfortably, right? To not be in pain. Obviously, I wasn't being the embodiment of spirit. I had to really look at that. What wasn't I embodying? So in some respects, if you're noticing those kinds of body dysfunctions, let's say, that they're mostly mechanical, right? Mechanical dysfunctions where your neck is cranked, right? Or your back is cranked. You know, you've got some kind of twisting going on. Or, you know, how when uh, I can always tell when my husband needs an adjustment from the chiropractor because one shoulder will be higher or lower than the other. And those are all physical indicators that you need to come back into alignment. So if you're having sciatica, if you're having back pain, if you are having some kind of, you know, shoulder pain, mechanical body pain, look to how are you embodying your soul or not, right? Are you embodying your purpose? Are you embodying light and love and delight, like, like joyfulness, or has life become too serious and you're too stuck in old patterns? Because this is the time, move it on, right? Move it into a new level that includes acceptance, universal love, but also the love of being in the body, right? Doing what feels good. Ha, there's that. All right. Questions and comments. Let's see here. Christine, this reminds me of the old song, tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. Ah, I don't know what that means, but I haven't heard that song, I mean, but I like that saying. JLo, my heart rate dropped to 38 to 48 for 10 minutes while I was asleep. My Apple watch woke me up with the alarm. Oh my goodness. Well, thank God you had that, right? Um, and... <laughs> Uh, it's a solid. Oh, Corey. Okay. Good question. It, I can't remember if, if it's a solid color. What does that mean? And if it's striped, what does that mean? So at your gate 46 or your gate 25 or your channel 46 to 29 or your channel 25 to 51, if it's colored in, you have that already defined by birth or by your design. If it's red, it's coming from your life purpose side. If it's black, it's coming from the soul purpose side. And if it's striped, you have planets there, either multiple planets there that are on both, you know, one or the other sides or an outer planet sitting at the same gate on uh, each side. So it just gives it more emphasis in your life. And now, of course, with the transit of this planet of these uh, of the sun and the earth over these gates, it brings more emphasis to you in your life. If you have it defined, if you have it open, it would be white right? It would be white and it would be an inconsistent energy for you. But now you get slammed with consistent body needs, right? You get slammed with consistent spiritual needs, right? And I'm not necessarily negative ones either, just being aware of, more aware of being in the body, uh, more aware of what your soul's purpose is or what your soul wants, you know, as a, as a path to be going forward. So um, just remember, you know, it's going to affect us all in, in a little bit different ways. Um, Michelle, good morning to you, Corey, that hopefully answers your question. And, uh, let's see, going on to other comments. Um, do you also think it can happen as we dream? JLo says, and I believe so. 
right? I uh, I got a weird kind of alarm and I didn't check it out. I don't know if that's my battery. I don't know what it heck it is, but some kind of alarm went off in my Fitbit this morning. So I don't know if that was telling me I hadn't been breathing very well either. I'll have to look and see. Uh, but it's definitely possible. You, just because you go to sleep doesn't mean that everything turns off, right? As we know, we are crossing the thresholds between the third and the fourth density or dimension and the fourth and the fifth dimension while we sleep. And in the crossing of those dimensions, we can, you know, come up against constriction. We can come up against where we aren't operating in love. So I, I believe that that is, you know, something that can definitely happen. Um, now, let's see. Christine says, listen to Aaron Copeland's version. It mentions the word delight often, actually, when we find ourselves just where we are meant to be. How profound is that? J-Lo, Debbie says, get checked for sleep apnea. And she says, I was actually dreaming when this happened. I never remembered any dream. Uh, mm -mm -mm. Well, something may be coming to the surface for you. And I don't know. Uh, now let's take a look at the new moon, shall we? We've talked a lot about the different setups to the new moon. So now all that's left to do is what is happening at that moon. Well, that new moon occurs at 5.55 p.m. in Washington, D.C., so uh, Eastern time zones. For us here on the West Coast, that will be 2.55 p.m. For those of you in uh, Europe or in the UTC time zone, that is 21.55, and I believe that is 9:55 p.m. So it'll really just be Australia and places further east that are actually probably well maybe yeah likely into the next day. So on the 26th of September instead of the 25th of September. And the um the degree of the new moon is 2 degrees 49 minutes of Libra. So the sun and moon come together very early in the transit of Libra. So that particular transit or that coming together of sun and earth, excuse me, sun and moon, puts it in an opposition to Jupiter. Jupiter's at three degrees, 49 minutes. So exactly one degree apart uh, at the time of the new moon, which is really very close. And Jupiter's in retrograde in Aries. And we think of Aries and Libra as that love and war axis. Now, love and war, meaning the, the the struggles that we might have, you know, that where we love ourselves or where we're not loving or kind and generous to ourselves, where that extends out to others, where we might have, you know, relationship might affect our relationships, you know, across that love and war axis. It affects us on the more bigger uh, world stage, you know, where we have the potential for hopefully, you know, more diplomatic action. Although listening to Putin the other day or hearing, you know, from the words that he's been saying, that doesn't seem likely. So we have this dynamic across this, this love and war where Jupiter is in the sign of Aries, right? That's the, that's the war part, right? That's the part where we are growing more to be embracing boldness and our uniqueness and validating everybody's boldness and uniqueness and not trying to take away and make everybody be the same as everybody else. So our individuality is at stake in this particular new moon. But I believe it's in a positive way because Jupiter also represents growth. But because he's in retrograde, it's inner growth, right? Your inner world growing. What's growing inside, right? What's growing inside of you? 
Now the Sabian symbol, right? The Sabian symbol, I get that from the book, the Dane Rudyard's uh, An Astrological Mandala. And of course, that's a lot of words and it's a very difficult book to get, but there are many places online where you can get the Sabian symbol for every degree of the, um, of the, the zodiac. The Sabian symbol for this one is actually very hopeful. It is the dawn of a new day reveals everything changed. The new moon reveals everything changed or the dawn of that new moon in Libra that everything's changed. To me, that's hopeful, right? That's really hopeful. And I look at this as the possibility of beginning that is, is built on a foundation of value, mutual value, seeing our own value, but also valuing other people, choices made out of a sense of value, from a sense of value and being valued. So very interesting, right? That that new moon is embodying that uh, that energy. I, it makes me feel good. It's a feel good, I think, kind of new moon. But there, of, of course, are always going to be other aspects, right? The new moon and Jupiter aren't just in a mold all by themselves. They have other planets that are also, you know, kind of kicking up a little bit of a storm. We're going to look at Saturn first. Saturn and Uranus are in a square, right? So they're getting closer and closer to, you know, that exact square, even though they don't come to exactness. It doesn't matter. The power is there, right? Don't. You know, I think sometimes I hear astrologers go, yes, but it won't be exact. And I'm like, so what? It's still impactful, right? It's still impacting us. So we have Saturn and Uranus in a square. That is the struggle between the old and the new, right? It is the struggle between the tried and true and the, the traditional, the more conservative forces and the more innovative, new Let's move forward forces. We see it playing out in our politics. We see it playing out in our relationships. We see it playing out in everything, right? We're needing to be innovative and come up with new ideas and new ways of doing things. But Saturn still holding us to some of the more traditional ways of being and thinking. And it's not that we shouldn't be there either, right? We have to learn to find the value in both conservatism and um, uh, growth, we have to find the sustainable path between the two, right? How do we do that? We are needing to be innovative and we have to look to what is it that we value, right? If we value clean drinking water, then our choices should reflect clean drinking water. If we value clean air, then our choices should reflect that we value clean air, right? If we value uh, relationships, then our choices within those relationships should value that or reflect that we value that. So that's part of this whole Saturn Uranus square. Now, Saturn is also in a trine to Mars, uh, Mars at 18 degrees of Gemini, Saturn at 19 degrees of Aquarius, both air signs. So there is a plethora of ideas. There's a plethora of possibilities for ways in which we could solve our problems in new ways right? There's a whole genre of new and cutting edge technologies. And there is a whole host of things that we've done before that have worked for us. Now, how do we find a way to bring them together? Right? How do we bring that together? But then we also have Saturn in and in conjunct to the black moon Lilith. And therein lies maybe a hidden fear, a, a mechanism by which we might keep 
going the way we've always gone, expecting a new result and not getting it, uh, because the fear is of abandonment or rejection or uh, we're hold there's an emotional stranglehold in us, right? We're holding on to these, these you know, uh, old ways of being, the, these old emotional feel-good times that are gone. And instead of making new emotionally feel-good times now, we're trying to pull ourselves backwards to the good old days. The good old days are gone. But what lies ahead of us is how do we create good days now, right? So we have that dilemma going on as well. Then we also have Uranus in a semi-sextile. Here, I'm going to show you a picture because I didn't. So here's Saturn over here. And you can see that he's in the square to Uranus down here. This is Taurus. And then here's Mars, right? And Mars and Saturn are actually in a trine because they are in air signs. So we have like uh, elements. We have Aquarius, which is air. We have Gemini, which is air. And then we have Mars in that semi-sextile to Uranus and as well as semi-sextile to the Black Moon Lilith. So Mars is having to do a lot of cooperation, right? Mars and Gemini. <laughs> Mars doesn't necessarily like to cooperate. He's more of a maverick. Let's do it my way and my way or the highway. But he's finding himself caught between the planet Uranus and the black moon Lilith. And they're both moving in different directions. And he's going to have to find the middle road. He's going to have to find a way to be able to innovate have new ideas and possibilities, but also not let go of everything that was good from the past. <laughs> and then he goes retrograde in Gemini. And we get that energy for a longer period of time. Now, it's not just the outer world, our inner selves, we also have to do that, right? We also have to do that. <laughs> not necessarily easy. So we have, we have the ability with the new moon to become the embodied soul and using our body as the vehicle to follow the direction, to follow love energy given by the soul that is also embodied within us. And that will keep us from falling prey to some of these other crazy antics that the other planets are dancing around, right? So stay embodied. That's my advice for you this weekend. Stay in your body uh, through Monday, right? Through Monday which happens to be Rosh Hashanah. And that's a very powerful day as well, astrologically, but also from, you know, different, uh, from the Jewish faith, I believe it is. Uh, am I right in that? Yes, I believe so. And so, you know, lots of opportunities for us to become embodied spirits, right? And from it, that point of view, do things from love, right? Unconditional love to yourself, but also love to others. All right. That's it for me. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you on Monday morning. Take care. Love you all. Bye.